So we're in a series titled Blessed on the Beatitudes, which are found in Matthew chapter 5. There are eight Beatitudes, and a Beatitude is an attitude or an action that God blesses. Do you want the blessing of God poured out in your life? Of course you do. Why else are you in church? You want God to bless you. And Jesus says, you want the blessing of God in your life? Well, cultivate these attitudes and actions. And one thing I've been struck with as I've been uh, studying these things is, is how counter-cultural they are. Uh, I was never taught in school that I should be meek or cultivate a poverty of spirit or mourn. That's not what the world tells me. No, no, no. But Jesus does. See, Jesus' uh, kingdom is, is not of this world. It's different. It's a counter-cultural kingdom. And we're, we're not going to, therefore, just stumble into these things. We won't cultivate these uh, attitudes and actions without intentionality, without listening to the master and, and concluding he knows what he's talking about and seeing the, the, the beauty and the brilliance uh, in these uh, Beatitudes. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and I'll read the Beatitudes, and then we'll get into our Beatitude for today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today's beatitude is found in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. First thing you have to do when studying the beatitudes is answer the question, what is, what is this attitude or action? So what, is it, what does it mean to be merciful? Who are the merciful? I have an illustration for you. I got this bicycle about a week ago. I always buy on Craigslist. I think it's smart. Well, anyways, good stewardship. Yeah. So I'm, for two weeks, I'm scouring Craigslist, and, and I realize you don't have much time to think. The good deals get snatched up, right? So after two weeks, I'm ready. I know what I'm looking for. The guy posts this at like 10.45 p.m., 8 o'clock Saturday morning. I'm on it. Somebody called right after me, but I got in line and went over and actually paid $80. Wow. Not the bike rack, just the bike, 80 bucks. So now one of the reasons we got such a good deal is uh, the previous owner never cleaned the thing. And so the, the, the gear mechanism was coated in oil, dirt, grime. And, and so he said, you know, it just doesn't shift into all the gears. 
thought must be broken. Well, Aubrey and I, we, we just clean this thing. We use soap and water and scrub brushes and even some, uh, even some metal brushes, and we cleaned it all up. And now all the gears are working. Oh, yeah, baby. Got the big gears and the small gears. I had to go to YouTube, of course, to find out how to do this stuff. I bought the bike stand afterwards on Amazon. All right, so my point, point is this. Uh, we, by, by, by getting down on our hands and knees and laboring, we were able to restore some of the original dignity to the bike. And that's, that's a bit like mercy. Uh, what mercy is, is it's helping to uh, relieve some of the consequences of sin that are in people's lives. And to be merciful means that you get down on your hands and knees, you do whatever you can to restore some of the dignity to people that's been lost because of sin. One of the greatest Bible examples of mercy is the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells us this story in Luke chapter 10. Let me read it to you. Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So the good Samaritan was merciful to this man who had been robbed. Now, the first obstacle to mercy is our aversion to paying the price of being merciful. Mercy, mercy has a price tag. It costs. And our human nature wants to keep other people's pain and misery at a safe distance. Uh, it's like you open the door to your house and, and standing in front of you is someone with, with muddy boots. Do you say, hey, come right on in? Or do you say, let me, let me just come out onto this porch with you and we'll chat, right? Mercy says, come in and, and bring your your mud, your pain, your need into my life. And that's scary. That's risky. Boy, this Samaritan, it cost him he, at, at least a full day. He didn't leave the inn until the next day. Cost him money. Cost him time, energy. He actually took a risk. Notice he says to the innkeeper, you know, I'm going to come back and, and whatever I owe you, I'll pay. Boy, that's risky. It could, have, it could have gotten way out of control, right? And Jesus says, this good Samaritan, 
he, he's, he's an example of a merciful person. And so we have to ask the question. In fact, I'd say we need to resolve in advance this, I am willing to pay the cost associated with being merciful. God help me. Uh, this, this Samaritan, good Samaritan, did not predetermine, I am ready today to go out and be merciful to somebody I encounter. He's on his way, not planning to have to get sidetracked, not having to be merciful, and yet he encounters the person in need and he responds. And that's so often the way it works, isn't it? Not on our schedule, not on our table, timetable, but the Lord allows uh, a need, a person whose life is broken because of sin, to intersect our lives, and then we have to wrestle with the question, am I willing to be merciful? And Jesus said, boy, when you are merciful, you will be blessed. God blesses that kind of a person. Am I willing to pay the cost of being merciful? Well, there are three kinds of people who need mercy. The first kind of person is the person whose life is broken because others have sinned against them. Here are some examples. Think about a woman whose business partner embezzles money and leaves her with massive business debt. Or an elderly couple who's being taken advantage of by an unethical caregiver. Or the child who's born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Or the boy who has no man in his life because dad's not willing to take responsibility for his actions. Or the wife who is being battered by her husband or has been abandoned. Or the teenager whose college fund gets spent by a parent with a gambling addiction. Or a teacher who can no longer get a job because they've been falsely accused by a student. Or a man with low self-esteem because his parents cut him down with belittling words. Or a young woman struggling with depression because she was physically or sexually abused as a child. Or a father who separated from his kids because his ex-wife won't honor the visitation agreement. But there's a lot of brokenness around us because people have sinned against other people. And Jesus says, when we choose to be merciful to those people, when we're willing to get down on our hands and knees and do what we can to help relieve the consequence of the sin, to help restore some of their, their lost dignity, we are blessed. We're reflecting the character of our merciful God. See, God's character is behind this. The backdrop of all of this is that God is is merciful to us. And we'll talk more about that. There's a ministry uh, here in Anchorage called Priceless. And yesterday there was a barefoot walk around uh, Anchorage. They walked, about 300 people walked barefoot downtown Anchorage to raise awareness of women who are caught up in sex trafficking tra uh, trade. And they raised $200,000 yesterday. Praise the Lord. And Priceless they work with the Anchorage Police Department, and uh, their, whole, their whole goal is to help women come out of uh, this, the sex trafficking trap. And so two healthy women mentor each of these 
former sex workers and, and give them a safe place and uh, interface with the government agencies in town to, to help them get back up on their own feet and, and learn to live a life that does not involve crime and does not involve all of that brokenness. And, and those are, that ministry and the people working in that ministry, those are merciful people. They're trying to help these women who are, whose lives are broken because others are sinning against them, taking advantage of them, pipping them out. That's what Jesus is talking about. So do you know, is there anybody in your life that you have intersected whose life is broken because others have sinned against them, and what could you do to be merciful? Second group of people who need mercy are those whose lives are broken because we simply live in a fallen world. And the fallenness of the world sometimes intersects our own lives. So here are some examples. The hungry, who rarely have a full belly. The sick person, for whom the doctors can't seem to help. The handicapped person, for whom doing normal things is almost impossible without help. The parent who's exhausted from caring for the special needs the recent college graduate who can't find a job because the economy's bad, the orphan, the child who lives in a war zone like Aleppo or Mosul and has PTSD, the teenager who's never heard the gospel because they live under a government that outlaws evangelism, the young family who's living on the street, the parent who's grieving the untimely death of a child. There's a lot of brokenness in the world. That's due to just the fact that we live in a broken world. Do you know anybody like that? What might you do to be merciful? Jesus says when we're merciful to those people, we are blessed. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, we've been highlighting uh, some of the Compassion International, and we had 13 children needing sponsored when we started. This is week three. We still have a few left, but uh, thanks to all of you who have picked up those kids. Uh, this is an opportunity to be merciful in practice. Last week, I had the privilege of breakfast with a, a Burmese man by the name of Na Nasher. So Nasher was amazing. Robert was telling me uh, he, grew, he spent many years in a refugee camp on the border of Thailand and Burma. And there was a Swedish man who established a little eye clinic to serve the community. And he recognized uh, in, in Nasher some skill. And so he trained him, apart from medical school or anything else, he trains him on how to do cataract surgery. And so uh, Nasher, he, he now travels back into what is the Karen state, a little state inside of uh, Burma, right against the Thailand border. They have seven regions, and Nature goes in, and he spends one month each year in each of the seven regions of the Karin State. And the, the surrounding villagers come to wherever he is, and he performs cataract surgery. And sometimes there's no road access to these places, and so he, he and the Burma Rangers carry the cataract equipment on their backs. And they set up in, in on somebody's uh, hut, or they set up a tent. And so uh, I was... Robert was telling me, Dr. Arnold was telling me, the most prolific uh, cataract surgeon in, in Anchorage is, does somewhere between four or 500 surgeries a year. Nature does 
Last year, well over 1,000. And get this, in the United States, where we have incredible uh, health care, the the rate of post-op infection is somewhere between 1 in 400 to 1 in 1,000. Correct? Nature's now done well over 5,000 cataract surgery, not a single, not even one post-op infection. And so I asked Nature, why is that? He said, I pray out loud with every one of my patients before the surgery, whether they're Christian, Muslim, pagan, it doesn't matter. I pray for them, and God's answering those prayers. Praise the Lord. Well, Nature is an example of a guy who is being merciful. He's bringing sight to the blind, and it takes effort. He's got to, sometimes he's carrying the backpack into the jungle, and it's not necessarily safe. There, this is a war-torn place. So do you know people? whose lives are broken just because they live in a broken uh, world, no fault of their own, who need your mercy. Final group of people who need mercy are those whose lives are broken because of their own sin. And this, this sometimes is is more complicated for us in our hearts. So here are some examples. The young woman who loses her job because she keeps arriving late to work. The felon who can't find a decent job because he's got a criminal record. The husband who loses his marriage because he played video games all day. The mother whose kids are taken away from her because she's addicted to drugs and alcohol. The father whose kids won't have anything to do with him because when they were growing up, he was selfish and mean. The politician who's discredited because he lied to his constituents. The young man who's racked by guilt because he pressured his girlfriend to have an abortion. The wife who loses her marriage because she's been flirting with other men online. The student who loses his scholarship because he takes performance-enhancing drugs. Woman who finds herself pregnant unintentionally, doesn't know how she's going to cope with the new baby. This one's difficult because sometimes we can think to ourselves, well, wait a second. They're in the bed of their own making. They're simply experiencing the consequences, the natural consequences of their own sin, and how else are they going to learn? Of course, there's a little truth to that. But you know what? Jesus doesn't say, be merciful to those who are broken because of no fault of their own. He says, you be merciful to everyone without qualification, without limit. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, the Pharisees are complaining. They're like, Jesus, you're hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. What are you doing? They don't deserve your time and your attention and your energy. They're sinful people. You should be spending your time with good people. And Jesus says this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was merciful to everyone whose lives were broken, whether or not that brokenness was due to their own mistakes. And that's what we're called to do. So I think of uh, right now we're, we're doing a fundraiser for a crisis pregnancy center or community pregnancy center. And not everybody who shows up to the CPC is there because of their sin, but sometimes 
they're there because they haven't been living out God's sexual ethic, and now they're pregnant. And, and well, the CPC is not there to condemn. They're there to extend mercy. And they're there to say, okay, you're pregnant. Doesn't matter how you got here, but now we're going to help you be a successful mom, successful dad. We're going to help you uh, be a good parent because this is a gift from the Lord. And then they, they help them restore some dignity. And that's why, that's why one of the reasons we love the CPC and that we are uh, supporting it. Uh, Anchorage has got a lot of these wonderful uh, missions of mercy. But here's the Anchorage Gospel Rescue Mission. And so people show up there, and they're often completely hooked on drugs and alcohol. And the, the Gospel Rescue Mission doesn't say, well, you made poor choices, and you're here because of your own fault. And so we don't want to help you. No, they say, it doesn't matter how you got here. Come, and we're going to help. We're going to be merciful to you. We're going to help restore some uh, dignity in your life. We're going to help remove the consequences of, the, of sin in your life. Uh, and we're going to do this in the love of Jesus Christ. Great ministries. So there, are there people that you know whose lives are broken because of their own sin? They need your mercy. They need you to be compassionate, to not just stand back and say, I'm going to let you uh, learn from your own mistakes. You're in the bed of your own making. Yeah, they need to learn. But, but remember, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. So, so our, that's not our job to teach them. Our job, or, uh, our job is to go be merciful and to show that, that character of God very tangibly in their lives. Mercy leaves no room for revenge. Mercy leaves no room for revenge. This is the second obstacle to mercy. The first obstacle is, do, am I really willing to pay the cost? And the second one is, am I willing to give up my desire for revenge? Even if it's not somebody who's hurt you, it's that person who you've done wrong and, and you're experiencing the consequences and secretly I'm kind of glad you are because I judged you. Are we willing to give that up? And the other one is when we're the ones who are hurting because you've sinned against us. Do we have to exercise mercy for those people? And the answer to that, Jesus says unequivocally, yes. In fact, he's teaching on forgiveness. And uh, the apostle Peter once, one time was like, wait a second. How far do I have to take this? Do you want me to like forgive somebody seven times? You know, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out how far does this forgiveness, forgive the ones who have hurt me go? And Jesus says, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. There's no limit to how merciful you have to be, even those who have hurt you. And then he proceeds to tell the parable of the unforgiving servant. You remember that? Uh, so there's this guy, and he owes the king this unbelievable sum of money. He'll never be able to pay it off. He goes to the king, and he's like, would you please have mercy on me? And the king says, I will. In fact, I'm going to wipe your debt out. You owe me nothing go and uh, live in freedom. Well, he heads out, and he's, he's just leaving the presence of the king, and he encounters someone who owes him money, just a small bit of money. And you would fully expect him to say, I am, I am feeling so merciful because I just received this massive mercy, and so don't worry about that debt. I'm in a great mood. But he doesn't. 
In fact, he says, hey, you owe me money, by the way. Yes, please be merciful to me. I'll pay it back. No, today. I, I want it today. And, well, the word of that gets back to the king. And here's what we read. Verse 32 of Matthew chapter 18. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And here's the punchline. Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What's the beatitude? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And the clear teaching of Scripture is, if you're unwilling to be merciful, then you should not expect mercy from God. Now, maybe you think, that's okay. I'm willing to stand before God and uh, based on my own merits. And, you know, I'll take what I deserve because I'm a good person. You're completely deluded. If you do not think you need the mercy of God in your life, you're blinded. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That includes you, it includes me. I depend, we all depend on the mercy of God. We do not want God to judge us based on our own righteousness, because all our righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says. And the wages of sin is death. If I stand before God and say, you know, judge me according to what I deserve, the verdict will be, department from me, I never knew you, into everlasting death. We are 100% dependent upon the mercy of God. Now, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, I, I think it is first we experience uh, the mercy of God in our own lives, and then we turn around and, and extend that to other people. And so if this whole idea of mercy seems crazy to you, it's probably because you have not yet experienced the mercy of God. But it's available to you. The mercy of God is on display in the cross. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross willingly, purposefully taking upon himself the penalty for our sins. He was sinless, and yet he died in our place. By his stripes, we are healed. God was willing to be inconvenienced. He was willing to pay the, the absolute price. He was willing to be merciful. I didn't come to judge, but to forgive. And if you have not re, you know, repented of your sins and, and, and received that gift of forgiveness and mercy for you, boy, that's, that's your step today. But then as a Christian, we pass that on. And we become merciful to other people, merciful to all people, without limit, without end. And God will be merciful to us. Final verse I want to read, I want us to just um, kind of meditate upon. So we're going right now into a time of response. I'm going to start in verse 33, and then we'll just sit on 35, 36. Jesus is speaking. 
If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. That's not uniquely Christian. That's not uniquely you know, worthy of praise. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. I want the mercy of God poured out in my life. My life runs on the mercy of God, and I don't want it to dry up. I absolutely need that mercy when I stand before God on the last day, and my sins are forgiven because of, of God's mercy in Jesus Christ. But I want His mercy now, because I make a whole lot of mistakes. And there's a whole lot of brokenness in this world. People sinning against me, the fallen world intersecting my life, my own sin. I need God's mercy all over my life. And Jesus said, if you want that, Mike, then you be merciful to other people. 